Welcome to this message from Shofar Christian Church. May you experience God's grace as you listen to this word being preached. Okay, good morning. I just want you to think for a moment. What was the first time, or when was the first time you experienced the Holy Spirit? Today is Pentecost Sunday. And one of the things that we see on Pentecost is that when the Holy Spirit comes, He comes as part of an experience. It's not, it's not always quiet. <laughs> it's not always subtle. Um, you know about it. So I just want you to, just for a moment, just close your eyes and just think to yourself, when was the first time you experienced the Holy Spirit? As Father God, we just come to you this morning in Jesus' name, and we just want to thank you, Lord, that we can, on this Pentecost Sunday, just remember, Lord, how you poured out your Holy Spirit on that Pentecost almost 2,000 years ago. And, yeah, Lord, just remember how you did amazing things, Lord God, and how that was the beginning of really changing the world. And... We just come to you this morning and, Holy Spirit, we just thank you, Lord, that you are here, Lord. You are here in our midst. You are right here among us. And we pray, Lord, that we will experience you. Lord, it's not enough for us just to know about you. We want to know you experientially, Lord. And we just open up our hearts to experience you this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, uh, Pentecost Sunday, and uh, you might ask, what is Pentecost? In uh, Acts 2, verse 1 to 4, I'm going to bring up the scripture there. It says... um, When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. And the day of Pentecost, Pentecost was one of the seven major religious festivals that God instituted through Moses. So there were three festivals that actually went closely together. Um, The first one was uh, Passover and, and the Feast of Unleavened Bread that went along with it. So that was a week. It started with, with, a, with a Passover day. You had like a preparation for it. You started with the Passover day, and then for a week, you had the, the festival of, of un, unleavened bread. And in the middle of that week, in fact, the first, um, the, you, you'll have a, you'd have a Sabbath that fell in somewhere in that week. And the day after the Sabbath, now remember, for Jews, the Sabbath is a Saturday. So the first Sunday of that week of unleavened bread was then the festival of first fruits. Okay? Interestingly enough, that is when Jesus rose from the dead. On the first Sunday after Passover, he was was, um, crucified on Passover. 
And then he rose on the festival of first fruits. And then 50 days after, or the 50th day after first fruits, was the day of Pentecost. Penta, you can hear the word five or 50 in there. So Pentecost was 50 days after um, first fruits. And first fruits was a kind of first harvest. But then the main harvest came in on Pentecost or started coming in on Pentecost. So it was a harvest festival. And interestingly enough, it was instituted by Moses. He instituted the first Passover. You'll remember in Egypt, uh, they slaughtered the Passover lamb, painted the blood on the doorposts. And then 50 days later, on Pentecost, they received the law at Mount Sinai. The law came down. And that was the first Pentecost. And then hundreds of years later, after Jesus died on Passover, was resurrected on first fruits, the Holy Spirit we see is poured out on the day of Pentecost. So he's referred to, the Holy Spirit is referred to here in an interesting way in Acts 2 verse 38. This is after Peter had preached his famous Pentecost sermon and the people were cut to the heart and they said, brothers, what shall we do? How, how must we respond to all of this? Peter had preached the gospel and I was saying, how should we respond? And he said, repent. Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And I just want to focus on that, that way in which the Holy Spirit is described. He's described as the gift of the Holy Spirit. And I just want to mention four things about the gift of the Holy Spirit. The gift of the Holy Spirit is precious, number one. He's empowering. The gift of the Holy Spirit is saving. And the gift of the Holy Spirit is free. So I just want to mention those very briefly. Now, when I think of the Holy Spirit, I often think of um, the book by J.R.R. Tolkien. Some of you might know J.R.R. Tolkien, wrote The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings. Uh, I quite like him. He's my homeboy. He also comes from Bloemfontein. I, I guess some of you knew that. <laughs> Tolkien came from Bloemfontein. He, I think he was born in Bloemfontein, and his early years was spent there. I was also raised in Bloemfontein. I you know, went to school there and matriculated there. And um, he, he didn't set out, when he wrote, for instance, The Hobbit and, and The Lord of the Rings, he didn't set out to write a Christian book, but his Christian worldview sort of bubbled up through it. So if you look carefully, you can see... Um, yeah, some very interesting ways in which he, it correlates with Christianity. Now, one of, one, one of my favorite scenes uh, in, in the book, it's not in the, in the movies. The movies were, I don't, I don't think they were as good as the book. But anyway, I'm biased. Um, I think the, 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 the sort of Christian worldview of Tolkien comes much more strongly through in the books, not, not so much in the movies. But, but there's this... Bilbo Baggins, and he gives this, uh, he, ha he has this um, set of chain mail made of what's called mithril. It's, it's a sort of a imaginary metal, which is very precious, more precious than platinum or gold. Uh, and it looks like platinum or silver, but it's very light and it's very, very strong, much, much more strong than tempered steel. And he received a, a 
set a, a piece of fine, like you can see there, fine chain mail made of mithril, uh, and he gave it to his nephew Frodo, who was supposed to take this one ring, which represents evil and lust after power, and they have to go and take it to Mount Doom and go and destroy it there. Um, and the Lord of the Rings, who is the, the bad guy, Sauron, the Dark Lord, is trying to stop them. And Frodo is wearing this mithril chainmail coat underneath his clothes. No one knows about it. And as they're walking along, at some stage, Gandalf, uh, who's, who's one of the, the party, starts talking about this. And he said, yeah, um, Bilbo Baggins had this, this, this chainmail coat made of mithril, which, which he got from the dwarves, or, you know, I, th I think he actually stole it from, you know, some other treasure hoard or something. And um, he doesn't know where, what happened to it, but, but he never told Bilbo, but this chainmail mithril coat was actually the most precious or the most valuable treasure in the whole treasury that he had. In fact, it, he says it, it's it's worth more than the whole shire, which is the place where, where Bilbo lives. The whole shire and everything in it. And you can imagine now Frodo's overhearing this conversation and he's walking with his mithril coat under his clothes. No one knows about it. And he's thinking to himself, he's like shocked and awed and thinking, to think I'm wearing something that is worth more than my hometown, than the shire and everything in it, all the treasures in it. And why I like this story is because it's such a parallel to the Holy Spirit. Because this coat was also a gift that Bilbo gave to Frodo. And it was sort of hidden because he wore it under his clothes. So you couldn't, other people couldn't see it. And so the Holy Spirit is also a gift given to us by the Lord Jesus. You can't see it. You can't see the Holy Spirit. You can't see him when someone is, metaphorically speaking, wearing him. And yet, he's not only valuable, like this mithril coat, extremely valuable, the Holy Spirit is beyond valuable, he's precious. You know the difference between something that is precious and something that is valuable? Something that is valuable has a lot of value, but you can actually calculate its value. Something that is precious is so valuable that you can't actually determine its value. It's beyond valuation. It's precious. And that is the Holy Spirit. And so often we need as it were, like Frodo, to hear that conversation where God in the Bible is speaking and saying to us, and he doesn't always remember this, or Leanne doesn't always remember this, or Krista doesn't always remember this, but that Holy Spirit I gave to her or to him is actually worth more the whole, than the whole world and everything in it. And so often we walk around Carrying the most precious thing in creation. In fact, more than the, the most precious person in creation with us, in us. Metaphorically wearing him under our clothes. People don't see it. And, and we forget how precious he is. You can work and strive and aim for all kinds of things and to try and accomplish things and acquire things, but you will never acquire anything that even comes close to the Holy Spirit in value. And we need to remember, we need to be reminded 
of that. The Holy Spirit, the gift of the Holy Spirit is a precious gift. But not only is the precious gift, but it's a, it's an empowering gift. On one occasion, it says in, in Acts 1 from verse 4, on one occasion, this, while Jesus, he, Jesus, was eating with his disciples, he gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And then verse 8 says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And the reason why the Holy Spirit, one of the reasons why the Holy Spirit is given is to empower us for witness. Now remember, Pentecost had always been a harvest festival. And if you go and read in Acts chapter 2 from verse 5, I mean, I read verse 1 to 4 for you just now. But if you read from verse 5, it says there were Jews and proselytes, you know, those converts to Judaism, and God-fearing people from every nation under the sun in the, in the known world were gathered together in Jerusalem. In other words, then the Holy Spirit was poured out and thousands of them got saved. That was the beginning of the ingathering of the harvest. And that's one of the main reasons why the Holy Spirit was poured out on Pentecost, on a harvest festival, is because His empowerment, He is our empowerment to bring in the harvest, to be witnesses. Now, now, just want to remind you of this. What does a witness do in court? Does a witness try and convince people or convert people or change people? No, a witness just testifies about what they have seen and heard. And then the rest of the people in court, whether it's the the, the judge or the lawyers or the jury or whoever, they decide whether they believe it or not. But the witness testifies. And that's all that we're supposed to do. Just bring up that, that, um, that scripture again, verse 8. It says, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you comes on you, and you will be my witnesses. Notice here, it doesn't say you will witness for me. You, it doesn't say you'll receive power and you'll witness for me. It says you'll receive power and you will be my witnesses. Witnessing is not just something you do when you become a Christian. It's something you become. It's who you are. You are a witness. And that's why witnessing is in word and deed. You live your witness. That's why we talk about live the gospel, love the people, obey the spirit. We're supposed to live our witness in word and deed. Not just one or the other. You see, some people wrongly ascribe to Francis of Assisi the saying, um, you know, preach the gospel and if necessary use words. Now, Francis, firstly, Francis of Assisi never said that. And if he had said that, he would have been wrong. <laughs> You're not supposed to just preach the gospel with your... You cannot actually preach the gospels with, just with your actions. Your actions...
can be in line with the gospel and confirm the gospel that you do preach. But the gospel is inherently a message, a proclamation. The problem is if you only have the verbal proclamation but your life is not in line with it, no one's going to believe your testimony. But if you only try and live in line with the gospel but you never preach it, no one's ever going to hear the gospel and get saved. That's why we must be witnesses in word and deed. But then also, the Holy Spirit was poured out on individuals and a community at the same time. Individuals in a community. So our witness is both individual and communal. Our witness is something, witnessing, being a witness is something I do by myself when I'm with friends, with colleagues, or with family members. By all means, it's something I can do individually, you know, one-on-one or myself in a group. But it's also something that we do together. In fact, right now, just by being here, you're witnessing. You're, in fact, you're being a witness. You could have gone and, you know, gone jogging, you know, some other, done some other trail run, or gone cycling, or, you know gone away for the weekend or done all kinds of other things instead of be here at church. But you decided to be here. Why? Because by being here, you are testifying that your life belongs to Jesus. And regularly, you gather with those who belong to Jesus to publicly witness to his lordship and salvation. And in, the, in, 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 in Acts chapter 2, towards the end, we see that. It, it, it says that they, 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 they met daily in the temple and from house to house, breaking their bread, uh, you know, eating together. And then it says, and having favor with all the people. And then it says, and the Lord added daily to the church those who were being saved. So it wasn't just the individual witness that you know, caused the community to have favor on them. It was their communal, their corporate witness. So, so we must be witnesses in word and in deed as individuals and as communities. But then also in ordinary and extraordinary ways. I mean, it was in ordinary ways just the way that, that the Christians loved one another and took care of one another. When someone was in need, they, they stepped out and they helped. When someone was sick, they served them. But they, they didn't only serve them with food and with medical care, they did that, but they also prayed for them to be healed. So it was in ordinary and extraordinary ways, in natural and supernatural ways, that this ministry took place. I mean, we see this, for instance, um, when Jesus says, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. It's spiritual power that we receive. It's, It's power that we previously, in our natural person, didn't possess, That is now that we now become infused with. So that we can witness. In other words, because the kingdom of God is a supernatural kingdom, a natural and a supernatural kingdom, it must be witnessed to both naturally and supernaturally. You cannot witness to a kingdom that is both natural and supernatural in only a natural way. You must also witness in a supernatural way. So yes, when you, when you preach the gospel, that's in a sense, even though you... I would argue that you are inspired by the Holy Spirit. So even that, I would argue, is supernatural because there's an anointing to do that. But you're using your natural voice to speak. But there must be the supernatural witness because it's a supernatural kingdom. 
It's a kingdom that goes beyond the natural. It says in, in chapter 2, verse 1 to 4, especially verse 4, it says, And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. And I remember the day I experienced that. Um, I was raised as a typical Afrikaner boyki in a Dutch Reformed, very conservative Dutch Reformed church. Um, my parents, I, I wouldn't say we, we lived a genuine Christian life as a family because Christianity was something that just happened on Sundays. We were, especially to start off with, we were more like, you know, submarine Christians. You know, you come up, you know, beep, beep on a Sunday and then you submerge again for the rest of the week and then beep, beep, you come up on the sun. So, you know, we were like that, you know. Uh, Christianity didn't affect most of our week, only Sundays. But my parents, and I'm very thankful for, to them for this, every Sunday they took us to, to, to church. And when they didn't take us to church and they didn't go to church, they dropped us off at Sunday school so that we could at least learn. And I'm thankful for that. I really am. I'm, I'm genuinely, sincerely thankful for that. Um, but I never really heard much about the Holy Spirit. In the churches, the, the Dutch Reformed churches I went to, there wasn't much mention of the Holy Spirit. He was almost like the weird uncle, you know, of the Trinity. You know, that doesn't get mentioned. You know, that, that's a feeling, you know, I got, you know, from that. But then a couple of my friends, one of my, a brother of one of my friends in, in high school, we had sort of a group of, of uh, friends that prayed together every break every second break, and, and one, one of the brothers went down, he was a bad boy, you know, musician, saxophone player, long hair, smoked, you know, a, a bad boy, and then he went to Stellenbosch, went to show and got saved, and, and we were like very impressed, and we thought, you know, any gospel that can save this bad boy must be something, <laughs> something special, so, so he started sending us cassette tapes, some of you might have heard, you know, this is about this, cassette tapes with sermons on, and we started listening to these cassette tapes. And uh, it was just amazing. And it was, uh, you know, these sermons from, from Shofar and Stellenbosch. And we just uh, never heard anything about this. And, 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 and the Holy Spirit was mentioned often. And the gifts of the Holy Spirit and, and, and the fact that the Holy Spirit is, a, is an experience. And in any case, to make a long story short, I, I'm very careful. I'm by nature sort of a cautious person. So I was checking these things out. And one by one, my friends were being filled with the Holy Spirit. Because what happened was we went to our dormities and we said, you know, this Holy Spirit thing, what... what What's up with it? And they say, no, 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 that's nonsense, man. That's for, for, for sects, you know. You know just, just ignore that and just come to church, you know. But we weren't satisfied with that because we were seeing, we were seeing the Holy Spirit move. So we said, okay, let's read the Bible. So we, we looked at the book of Acts and we started reading it. And vrachtag, there it was in the book of Acts. <clears throat> the Holy Spirit being poured out and all kinds of weird and wonderful things happening like tongues and prophecy and healing and you name it. And we thought, okay, let's try this. Now, remember, we're a bunch of Afrikaner, Dutch Reformed school kids. And, and we just said, okay, let's try what we see in the Bible. You know, they lay hands on each other, so let's lay hands on each other and pray for each other. And one by one, we got filled with the Holy Spirit and started speaking in tongues, and weird and wonderful things happened. And I, I remember sitting there on a couch, and my friends were around, and they laid hands on me and started praying for me. And I said, Lord, if, if this is of you, just, just, just tell me what to do or something like that. I can't remember exactly what I said. And I felt the Holy Spirit say to me, just open up your mouth and start speaking. And I opened my mouth, but before I could start speaking, I lost my nerve and I closed my mouth again. <laughs> and then I felt terrible. I thought, oh, I'm grieving the Holy Spirit, you know. I'm quenching the Holy Spirit. And I felt terrible. I said, Lord, if, 
if, if this is from you, just tell me to do it one more time. And the Holy Spirit said to me, just open your mouth and start speaking. And I opened my mouth and I just started speaking in tongues. And my, my one friend was so happy, he just started dancing around the couch, you know, and, and, and rejoicing. <clears throat> so what happened in the Bible, I experienced that. You know, if you, if you try what, what they did in the Bible, you'll, what happened to them will happen to you. You'll be empowered for witness. And then it goes on and it says, and they will prophesy. And, 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 and it talks about visions and dreams and all kinds of things. But, but it's prophesying. And, and in, in Revelation, the angel says to John, the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. The essence of all prophecy is the testimony of Jesus. Now it's the gospel. And in that sense, all of us are called to prophesy the gospel, to speak forth the gospel. So... The gift of the Holy Spirit is precious. The gift of the Holy Spirit is empowering. The gift of the Holy Spirit is also saving. Let me see. Where am I? Here we go. Acts 2, verse 38 to 39 says, Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and all who are far off for all whom the Lord our God will call now earlier in that sermon Peter quotes the book the prophet Joel and preaches from from Joel chapter 2 so it was towards the end from in our Bibles Joel 2 verse 28 to about 30 beginning of 32 Uh, but he doesn't he doesn't quote the whole or he just quotes the beginning of verse 32 But then at the end, here at the end of the sermon, he comes back to Joel 2 verse 32 and he quotes the end which he left out before. That where it says, whom the Lord our God will call. Because he ends the formal quote in the sermon with, and everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But then it goes on in, in, in Joel 2 verse 32 and it says, for on Mount Zion and in Jerusalem there will be deliverance or salvation. As the Lord has said, even among the survivors whom the Lord calls. Can you see how he's referring back to Joel chapter 2? So, what I want you to see here is, he says, he talks about the gift, receive the gift of those, but then he says, the promise. What is that promise? The promise is for you and your children, for all who are far off, all whom the Lord, our God, will call. So, we already know that, Jesus referred to the Holy Spirit as the gift that the Father has promised. So the promise is the Holy Spirit. But then he, he, he quotes Joel 2 verse 32 that says that whoever, calls on the, whoever the Lord calls, there's deliverance and salvation for them. So it's also the promise of salvation. The Holy Spirit is at the same time the one who brings salvation and the one who brings empowerment. He's not just an empowering gift, he's a saving gift. What does the word gift mean? The Greek word is dorea. And in Greek, like in English, it means something that is freely given to you by someone else with the implication that there's no payment involved. Something that is willingly and freely given by someone else. And they give it freely because they already paid for it. You see, a gift does get paid for. It just doesn't get paid for by the recipient. When you receive a gift for your birthday, 
That gift, in a sense, is free to you because it costs someone else something. And that is the Holy Spirit. He's, he's a gift. He's a free gift. He's the free gift of salvation and he's the free gift of empowerment. He's a free gift even though he's precious, beyond value. Because someone else paid for us to receive that precious gift. In Acts 2 verse 32 and 33 it says, God raised this Jesus to life, which implies that he was dead. He raised him to life, and we are witnesses. We, we, we are all witnesses of it. Exalted to the right hand of God, he, Jesus, has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you now see and hear. There's a lot there, and, and I want to end off with this, so I'm not going to mention everything that's there in that scripture. But notice that Jesus was the one who paid for, with his life for the gift of the Holy Spirit, so that the gift of the Holy Spirit can be a gift to us. So that we can receive Him freely. Now, on the one hand, we receive Him in His function, as, in His saving function, we receive freely. Because Jesus paid with His death for our salvation. And, and we tend to remember that. We tend to be aware of that. But we tend to forget that in his empowering function, we also receive him freely. And that the Holy Spirit, who is the gift, is also the gift who keeps on giving, who gives gifts. Whether it's tongues or prophecy or you name it. In, in, in 1 Corinthians 12, I think it's verse 7, it says the following. Listen, listen carefully to the words. It says, to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Not to some is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. It says to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. But that gift of the Holy Spirit and the gifts that He gives, they're even called charismata, grace gifts, free gifts. They're given freely and sometimes we approach the gift and the gifts that he give as though they are not free as though we must earn them as though we must deserve them as though we can only use them if we're good enough isn't that one of the main things that often hold us back from practicing the gifts of the spirit is that oh i'm not good enough oh i'm not mature enough oh i'm not holy enough oh i'm not Fill in the blank. But surely, if he is a gift, and if the gifts that he gives are really gifts, then we don't have to earn them, and we don't have to deserve them. How often do you relate to the Holy Spirit as though he is not a gift? As though he's some other commodity that you have to purchase, that you have to pay for. Do you sometimes do that? Do you maybe often do that? I know I do. I just want you to close your eyes for a moment. <clears throat>
If you, if you not a, you know, walked in yet this morning and you're not a Christian yet or you're unsure if you're a Christian, then you can just ask the Lord for the Holy Spirit. Say, Lord, thank you that you paid the price so that I can be saved through the Holy Spirit, through the gift of the Holy Spirit. And just say, Lord Jesus, thank you that you paid the price I couldn't pay so that I can be freely saved. And say, Lord, save me and wash me with your blood and baptize me in your Holy Spirit. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. And if you are a Christian, I want you to just say, Holy Spirit, I'm sorry that I so often forget how precious you are. Like that, that mithril coat that Frodo had. Lord, you're so close to me. I carry you so close to me. And, and yet I, I'm, I'm so often unaware of how precious and how valuable you are. And I, and I, and I don't appreciate you as much as I, as I ought to. And just, just repent and say, Lord, I repent for not appreciating you. And help me to appreciate you more and to be more aware of you and of how precious you are. Just, just pray that in your own words. So, Holy Spirit, we just open up our hearts and our lives again to receive you, to, to just thank you that we read in the book of Acts how the, the disciples and the apostles are, even after the day of Pentecost, repeatedly filled with the Holy Spirit. And, and we just pray that you will fill us again. Just fill us anew with your presence. And please help us to not so easily forget who you are and how precious you are. Please help us to appreciate you more, to be more sensitive to you, to be more open to be used by you, to be witnesses wherever we are. In Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to this message from Shofar Joburg. May the grace you receive produce God's greatest glory and your greatest good. For more information and sermons, please visit our website at www.shofar.joburg.com.